Welcome back to Nachiyami. We are now moving through the fourth chapter of Sefer Shoftim. We're going to notice as we move on that the pace of the stories is going to pick up. We're moving through years very fast now. The narrative is going to be thick. So we're covering a lot of ground and time in these very short prakim. This parak is only 23 psukim long, but it encompasses the story of really now we're going to meet our fourth shofet, or shofetess, actually, and that is Devorah. First of all, the cycle starts once again. Israel are continuing to sin. Even though they've been saved, they were in the hands of Ehud, who in safekeeping, and Shamgar Benanas after him. For some reason, Bnei Israel continue to, to sin, um, and Ehud is dead. Um, so the, the now Hashem allows into the picture Yavin, the king of the Canaan. And uh, he's, uh, he lives in uh, his center, is a place called Chatzor, and his uh, general is a man by the name of Sisra. <clears throat> they are a formidable enemy for the, fa- for the fact that technologically speaking, they, they are advanced on the military front. They have 900 Rechev Barzel, they have chariots. Chariots are formidable instruments in the military at this point in time. It's sort of the, the equivalent today to the tank. And infantry cannot survive in front of these chariots. So Israel is a complete disadvantage, and they remain under them for 20 years. Once again, increasing increments of time. It was first 8, 18, now 20 in terms of being under our enemy's rule. So in the meantime, we're told that there's this, this, this woman called Devorah, who is a Isha Nevia. She's described as a prophetess. She's the Ashes Lapidos, the wife of Lapidot. And uh, she is, uh, judges Israel in a place called Tomer Devorah, under this, this palm tree of Devorah, which of course later on is going to be the name of a, a Kabbalistic book um, in Jewish uh, liturgy by Rav Moshe Cardevero. Um, now, um, she, uh, noticing what's going on, she sends for a man called Barak. And she says to Barak ben Avinoam, listen, you need to bring the armies together and you need to fight you need to take Naphtali and Zvulun, which are the northern area, and take them to, to draw out Sisra to, to, to fight. Um, and Barak responds in a very curious way. He says, I'm not going to fight unless you come with me. So Barak once really wants her to take the lead. She wants him to take the lead. And she says, you know, I'm going to go with you. But, and she says, enigmatic words, Efes Sisra. You, you, you will go, and I'll come with you, but know that your glory won't be in your hands because Hashem will give Sisra, this great general, in the hands of a woman. At this point in time, we think that probably means Devorah to a certain degree. Let's hold on tight. So the battle goes on. The battle is pretty, pretty, a pretty straightforward description over here. We have 10,000 foot soldiers, infantry on the side of Israel. They're brought up to the area facing the Canaanites, and the Canaanites are drawn out to battle. The battle takes place, it sounds like, even though he, they have all 900 chariots in the coastal plain, something happens, Hashem, you know, Vayoham, Hashem you know, makes them confused. We're going to see later on in next Perak about the song, what exactly happens, what what really happened in this um, in this miraculous war. Nonetheless, Barak leads the troops down, Sisra is in, in, in disarray, with his even with his technology, and he runs. He gets off on foot and runs. So what does he do? He runs to safe territory, he runs into the area of the Kani. The Kani are ultimately descendants of Yisra, and they live among Israel, but they have a covenant with the Canaanites, so they have a peace accord with the Canaanites, so he feels he's going to be safe here. In the meantime, he comes along to the tent of Yael. Yael is not a Jewess, an Israelite. Yael is, in fact, a from the from the Cani. She is married to a man called Chever, and she welcomes him in. He tells, he asks for a drink, she gives him some milk, and she covers him up 
um, with a blanket, and he says, if anybody comes, tell them that there's nobody here, and she di- and she agrees. And while he's while he's sleeping under the blanket, she literally pegs him. She takes a ten peg and pl- and plows it through his his temple into the ground. And there comes Barak running out looking for the fugitive, and she quite comes out and says, I have your man in the tent, and there he was dead. Um, and uh, it and the, the parak concludes by saying that. This was a very, very heavy blow for the Canaanites, and Yavin was humbled from now onwards and did not take control of Israel for the next coming year. So this is, this is our, our description of this peric, very fascinating peric on numerous um, accounts. First thing to notice, points to ponder, is that we were noticing an interesting um, a movement of the enemies of Israel in, inwards. So we dealt with beforehand, um, we dealt with the enemies from the outside up till now, Eglon from the king of Moab, and when we talked about beforehand, Kushan Rishasayim, now we're moving from Aram. Those are were, those were outside, external kingdoms. The enemy now is actually Canaan. It's within the land of Canaan. So the Malbin points out that Hashem is bringing, bringing the e- evil more proximate, meaning the people who are taking advantage are closer and closer to home as we're watching this trajectory, as well as them being longer and longer rules. Interestingly enough. What does it mean that she's this Aishas Lapidos, this urban devourer? We told very little about her. So um, the, the, the Radak says, well, you know, you know what that actually means? It means that Lapidot literally means lightning or light. So who was her husband? Well, Barak. Barak means lightning. So she was actually married to Barak, and that gives a whole different dimension to this relationship. Why they're living in different places? Fascinating question. Another shot could be is that the quoting Chazal is it could be that she actually made wicks in the temple, where she made wicks for the menorah, which is interesting because that means to say that what we've been told about her is that as much of a leader as she is, she's also a facilitator. She's facilitating spiritual service. So she facilitates Barak's victory. She facilitates the light in the, in the, in the Mikdash. Fascinating type of leadership in a certain sense we'll call the servant leadership, which is a model we know about today, which is the notion of enabling others and leading from enabling. Um, when we move on a little further, it's interesting when she makes the comment that your glory will not be in the hands of, um, will not be in your hands, but in the hands of a woman. She's not really referring to herself because knowing the end of the peric, who is the most instrumental woman in this peric ultimately in this victory is Yael herself. We're going to have to follow through this peric the trail of of leadership of ladies. And there's the Devorah, sort of the background hero of this ba- battle. There's Yael, the background hero of this of this peric. Both of them are sort of described in the shadow to a certain degree, but nonetheless, they're actually the heroines of this entire story. We have to follow that through as we go into the song in, next, in the next section. Last thing just to make, make notice um, um, of is the following, is that surely the Kani, the, K- uh, the Kenites, had a peace accord with the Canaanites. So how did Yael have the permission? How could she go against her nation's accord to, in fact, kill, um, to kill Sisera? So the Malvin tries to deal this on many levels, and... Uh, uh, he, um, it, su- it suggests that he's just maybe they lived outside of that realm, or maybe she wasn't bound by the contract because it was you know she it wasn't it wasn't binding on the specific individuals more as a nation. But the album really concludes with one shot, and I think this is important just to digest, and that is, is that yes there was a peace accord, but her values her her value system, was in the right place. I mean to say that there was. This, 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 this condition between the two nations. And that was the risk she took to do the right thing. That's how much risk she put um, herself in in order to be able to achieve this victory, which ultimately she is extolled for um, 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 for infinity. as uh, She's placed into Tanakh because of that decision, despite the risks and sacrifice she made. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.